Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Shona Jenkins. The lifting of UN sanctions on Iran brings the Islamic Republic, which has been seen as a rogue nation by many countries since the 1979 revolution, in from the cold as a regional power in the Middle East. It also reconnects a potentially vibrant emerging economy to world markets, with the allure of a bonanza for international and local investors and a brighter future for a restive young population. The EU embargo on oil imports and some of the toughest US sanctions, such as the law that penalises international banks for doing business with Iran, have been lifted, making it possible, in theory at least, for key sectors of the Iranian economy to resume international business. To discuss how soon this can happen and the obstacles that remain, I'm joined down the line by Najme Bozormer, our Tehran correspondent, and with me in the studio are Martin Arnold, our banking editor, and Anjali Raval, our oil correspondent. Najme, what has been the reaction in Iran to the lifting of the sanctions? Ordinary Iranians and business people are relieved that the landmark nuclear agreement was finally put into force and Iran's economy can start moving after years of recession. But there are also concerns about how the implementation of this nuclear agreement will go ahead and what kind of difficulties it will face in practice. The main question in Iran is how long it will take for people to see the real impacts of removal of sanctions on their daily life and how long it will take for the business community to have access to the world's top banks. So there is not much hope that this can be achieved in the next one or even two years. When I speak to people and businessmen, they expect to see tangible results probably in three or four years' time. So ordinary Iranians sound like they're very cynical about the benefit that they're going to receive. They are very happy, but they are not hopeful that this will yield results in the near future. What are Iran's priorities for reviving the economy? Now the priority is to put an end to recession and adopt policies which can help the GDP growth. Iran's economic growth has been largely negative since 2011, when oil and banking sanctions were imposed. This has meant many small and medium-sized industries and businesses have either come to a halt or are functioning far below their capacities. Even major industries are not doing well because of stagnation and declining purchasing power. The government of Rouhani, which has so far focused on curbing inflation over the past two years that it has been in office, and has successfully brought it down from around 40% to 13%, is now under pressure to generate jobs and tackle unemployment. This means the government should attract foreign investments especially now that sanctions have been lifted, and have some fiscal and monetary stimulus packages to help industries 
and encourage consumption as a driving force for GDP growth. And what are the main obstacles to doing this successfully, do you think? Obstacles are numerous. Public debts are very high, about a quarter of GDP. Oil prices are low, which means even though Iran's oil exports are going to increase in the coming months, thanks to lifting of sanctions, but oil income will not really increase compared to when Iran was under sanctions. And Iran's credit rating is very bad, which makes resorting to international debt market costly and at high rates. But uh, there is a lot of hope that when foreign investments start coming in, the wheels of the economy will start moving and reintegration with the world banking system will remove the biggest obstacle of doing business with other countries. And hopefully Iran can gradually tackle its acute economic problems in the coming years. Martin, if I can turn to you now, what do you think is the first step for Iran's banks to be connected into the world's banking system? The first step would be for them to get correspondent banking agreements with foreign banks in order to be able to arrange international payments. And that would be an important step in reconnecting. The problem is going to be that the primary sanctions the US imposed still in place and some of the European sanctions are still there. And so US banks will be very severely restricted as to what they can do, especially in US dollars with any Iranian entity or Iranian passport holder. European banks will be freer, but because a lot of the biggest European banks have operations in the US, they are extremely nervous about doing any business with Iranian entities because of the risk of big fines, which we've seen multi billion-dollar fines imposed on some of the world's biggest banks, all the way up to almost $9 billion that was paid almost two years ago by France's BNP Paribas for breaching sanctions in several countries, but notably in Iran. So a lot of these banks are going to be extremely nervous, and their lawyers are telling me that most of them will not be rushing in to do this at all and will require a great amount of certainty and almost guarantees, letters guaranteeing them free passage by the US regulator. That's all yet to be sorted out. Another important step will be when the SWIFT global payment services that runs the the messages that are sent between the world's banks for the largest transfers of money. That is a Brussels-based institution. So once the EU imposed sanctions on Iran back in 2011, Iran was cut off from the financial system. SWIFT is expected to reconnect the Iranian banks to the SWIFT payments network when they will be able to pay money to other countries through the SWIFT messaging. And that's a big step for Iran. But it's going to be slow progress. Do you think, despite all these challenges that obviously exist, do you think there's a big appetite amongst European banks in particular to reconnect or to do business in Iran? I think the early movers will be Indian banks, Chinese banks, Russian banks, those that don't have very much exposure to the US. 
indeed, you know, Chinese banks and Indian banks already have operations in Iran. And I think perhaps the smaller second tier European banks are quite interested in the opportunities, especially those with emerging market activities already. But the big banks like HSBC, Standard Chartered, BNP Paribas that have historic ties to the Middle Eastern region and to Iran, I think are going to be at the back of the queue to do this. The other problem you've got is that Iran's banking system itself is light years behind the Western banking system. You know, they still operate on Basel I rules and most Western banks are onto the third generation of global accounting standards. There is very lax anti-money laundering controls. The bankruptcy code is, you know, unrecognisable to any Western lawyer. So there are enormous technical legal problems for Western banks trying to do business in Iran. Anjali, turning to you now and oil, who will Iran sell its oil to given that there's such a worldwide glut and the price is so low? Iran's first priority is selling the oil it has already produced and that it's already in storage and then it will try to secure new oil sales. So under sanctions, Iran was already selling to India, China, Japan, South Korea and Turkey. So Iran will look to sell more oil to those customers. At the same time, it wants to go back to its former buyers in Europe. So for example, Greece, Spain and Italy, but also other countries too, such as South Africa and Sri Lanka. How quickly do you think Iran will be able to revive its flagging oil industry? Iranian officials say they can increase production immediately by 500,000 barrels a day and then by another 500,000 barrels a day within six to seven months. However, industry analysts are not convinced it has the capabilities to do this. While Iran has done the utmost to prepare the fields for higher output and they've tried out their export infrastructure to make way for higher exports, it does need more investment. There are huge capacity issues related to things like production units and flow lines and other surface related things, but there are bigger infrastructural problems that will need investment. And these are longer term issues that require foreign cash, but also the highest level technology that international energy companies and services companies have. So will these foreign companies be prepared to help Iran overcome the obstacles that it faces? They are all interested. However, primarily here I'm talking about the European companies and big Asian players. The US companies have, because of the sanctions and also restrictions linked to its sort of legal systems and banking systems, they are still not even touching this until the ambiguity goes away. Martin? Yeah, I think that's an important point that Angeli makes. And, and the European oil companies do have a head start. Historically, they have very strong position there. And I think everyone expects them to be the first ones to move back into the country. And they'd be welcomed with open arms by the Iranian authorities. And I think there you could see some European banks accompany those clients of theirs into Iran to sort of help them finance projects there. So helping Western companies going into Iran for Western banks is easier than doing business with Iranian entities where, you know, just the uncertainties and the risks are just far too great. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of challenges ahead. Thank you very much. That's it for this week. My thanks to Najme Bezormer, Martin Arnold and Anjali Raval. World Weekly is produced by Fiona Simon. Until next week. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, 
And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The latest episode of the Next 5 podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Bryan, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of the Next 5 wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. Goodbye.